At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today it's the locked on podcast network your team every day today's episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories it's only worth it if you enjoy it stay tuned for the ultra moment segment coming up later in the episode all right welcome on to an nba finals edition of hollinger and duncan they're Times maybe we didn't think we would ever get here over the last couple of years, but we are there now. And game one is in the book. So uh, as we've been starting here, once John is done rustling around, I'm going to ask him uh, how <laughs> how he, Sorry about that. he took away. <laughs> quite, quite all right. Uh, I'll ask you what you took away from uh, game one of the finals. So, you know, we always want to overreact to to a game one, I think. And um, I'm always reminded of uh, of the old saying, play better is always the best adjustment. And as much discussion as there was about the Bucks switching strategy and some things they could do there, I also think just playing better and the fact that the Suns played really well um, was was probably the biggest factor. I mean, and the thing that stood out to me, not just the shot making by Chris Paul, which is not necessarily repeatable. He's a good mid-range shooter, but he's, you know, nobody's as good as, as he shot last night. But I was really taken by Phoenix's tempo and how quickly they were able to get to these switches. And the play that really stood out to me, because Phoenix can get into this malaise where they're very sluggish and, and methodical and predictable. It's one of Chris Paul's worst weaknesses, right? Um, yeah. And then they're they're playing against the shot clock. They got into their shit so early. There was a play in the third quarter. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, Devin Booker got Bobby Portis on him on a switch and late in the third quarter and eventually ended up getting to a pull up jumper and scored. But the thing that stuck out to me was they got the switch at 18 and I went through Devin Booker dribbled 17 times before he got to that shot. Like Bobby Portis actually did a great job. The problem is they had him on that island so long that it was almost inevitable that Booker was eventually going to get some type of opening. And th- th- that to me was was my biggest takeaway. That Fe- like Phoenix is really fast, the, all their guys, and they they don't always weaponize their team speed as well as they could. And I and I thought they generally really did that. They 
had another make in the first half that stood out to me where they pushed after a make and Booker ended up going uh, baseline and Cam Johnson drifted to the other baseline. And if you if you went back and replayed it, Cam Johnson had to book from the time the ball went through the net to, to the opposite corner just to be there in time for Booker's pass. I thought that was like another like pretty impressive example. Like they were just getting into stuff early. They were running. They just gave themselves so much time to take advantage of the switches. Yeah, and they're just their overall fast break in the first quarter where you would Milwaukee would have these sequences where they'd bat the ball around in the offensive glass and not score, and then everyone would hang their heads, and the yeah. Suns would come right back it, and the ball would be going through the nets. They had 11 fast break points in the first quarter, and yeah, I remember that play you were talking about too. Is that the one where Booker threw that like sick left-handed pass? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Along the baseline, yeah, that yeah, that was pretty good. So, but so when you say though, you mentioned the Bucks playing better uh, as opposed to potentially changing things up on the scheme. Like I've got some ideas there maybe for the scheme, but as far as just what is within their capability to just do a better job on within the schemes that they're playing. Okay, one make layups. Uh, two, I mean, Drew, Drew Holiday <laughs> sucked, right? Like, like he's he's got to play better than that. The 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 yeah. battle of former Pelicans All Star point guards needs to be a little more even than it was last night. Yeah. Um, I thought they actually on some of the switches they were like rotating unnecessarily or or over helping at times and making some of the driving kicks maybe a little easier than they needed to be. Um, like there was one play. I don't yeah, know if you remember like an, an actual. How about a, like the drive and kick should require an actual drive first. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that too. I mean, there were a couple plays like that. Like Chris Paul got a corner three because Drew Holiday helped off the strong corner when he didn't even need to. Um, right. And then there was the play where Chris Ball just had the ball up top and just caught Giannis napping and and threw it to Bridges and they got an open catch and shoot three. Like just random stuff like that in the course of the game. Uh, it 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 just felt like that was there was some some easily fixable things for Milwaukee. Okay, how about how about this one? Another another note I made. So they're playing Chris Paul to take away his uh, right hand a lot of the time, especially when when like Brook Lopez was on him. Now, normally against a right-hand shooter, you want to challenge the shot with your left hand if you can, right? And it's a it's a hard skill to to really make instinct instinctual, right? So Brooke Lopez was doing this, and and normally that's correct. But because he was standing so far to the side, I actually think he actually needed to challenge some of these shots with the right hand. Like if you go back and look at the flagrant three, that was because he challenged with his left hand, which normally you want to do on a right-hand shooter. But when you're standing so far to his right, your left hand can't get into the play. And you got to challenge with the other hand. No, I, I think Brook Lopez being better uh, as well uh, on those switches. I mean, to just actually not let Chris Paul shoot a jumper, right? I, I think to me, like, forcing yeah. these guys to actually break the paint and not to just play at the exact tempo that they want to play with. Like Brook Lopez, okay, like you might get blown by by Chris Paul, but like that's part of this, right? Like if you're because his his challenges just weren't good enough, right? Like Chris Paul is just yeah. shooting his normal shot, and Brook Lopez is not that close to him. So you know, I know as a big guy you're like okay protect the rim protect the rim you got to stay in front just challenge with your length but he's not actually really challenging with his rank like chris paul is just getting too much separation and so you have to say hey we're gonna we'll let you drive chris paul but we're gonna make you drive to your left hand and we'll hopefully you know put you kind of on the left side of the floor we're gonna force you baseline uh and yeah you know what like he's a, a great passer and he might be able to kick out but we're a, a great closeout team and we can protect the rim and we can help you uh from behind a little bit brooke lopez 
because the other thing I would say too, from a schematic standpoint is the Clippers to me now, granted, this is with Chris Paul shooting poorly, but the Clippers, I thought did a really nice job in games three and four with Zubats of not just switching right away, but late switching. And so force Chris Paul, this goes to what you were saying about the issue of the, uh, you know, getting into the clock early, right? Like don't just give up that switch at the point of the attack, make Chris Paul, uh, get to the foul line first and then you can step out of it and then, then Chris Paul is going to back it out and try and go at you again. Or you engage him, make him blow by you at the foul line and get the late switch as opposed to uh, just switching right up top. And so you at least run some more time down. You tire Chris out a little bit that way. So th- that would be another thing that, that I would consider. Obviously, their switching group with the five guys who actually can switch was good, but they're, they only have five guys who can do that. You put in Forbes, yeah. you put in Portis, you put in Teague, you put in Lopez, and it, it becomes a lot harder to do that. So that's not a panacea. They can maybe play that group for 15 minutes a game. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, Brooke what, Lopez what your, only played yeah. 23 minutes even last night right yeah but and i'll like going with a unit with portis and no lopez and no Giannis. i mean that's when they really that the wheels was, came off yeah big in time. The third. like big that time. you can't do but now i'll give but a pass though i don't think he coached like a bad game or anything yesterday because you just don't know what you're getting from Giannis, and he's clearly on a minute's yeah. limit and you don't want to push him too hard i think in the second half they kind of got a better understanding of what he was going to be capable of doing but it was you know Giannis probably didn't practice at all like it was definitely hard to reintegrate him to some degree um but what were your thoughts uh, on what they got out of Giannis in that game he was he was good in spots but he wasn't he wasn't that guy i i thought i thought he was able to go north south better than he was able to go laterally and like the the you know that crazy block he had on bridges was a perfect example you know he was able to run in a straight line and spike that thing uh but some of the other stuff like you didn't really see him get into his spins much um I, you no know euro the, steps the euros all. off the dribble exactly where you're really loading up on that knee at odd angles uh i think there was some reluctance to try that so that's going to be that's going to be interesting i think what's really going to help the bucks after game two is that we have three days between every game uh you know three games three four five six or each space three days apart so there is some good recovery time built in here to this finals format no i, I think that's that's true the other thing Giannis just wasn't the force pushing in transition that we've come to expect and i think that's really important oh the other thing i thought he really struggled with was closeouts i thought that he just wasn't yeah. able to kind of eat up that space which is something they're going to need him to do if the if what we're talking about is trying to make them break the paint and actually kick out and deal with those shooters uh you know he's, he's going to need to be better there but i i think the their biggest problem it's interesting to me i noted this when we talked danny and i talked yesterday it's interesting to me that we're spending so much time on the bucks defense when i thought the bucks defense was like you know as we talked about there's a few things they can kind of clean up chris paul especially from three shot it better than you might expect as well so you know i think they can be a little bit better defensively i don't think they can't just with the personnel they have and the mid-range prowess for the suns like they're not going to just completely shut them down like they're just you're not gonna be able to do that but i think you can limit the damage there and hold them you know just not get run off the floor but offensively i just unless Giannis can be the guy that he was in the two regular season games against them when he had 47 and 33 i just don't know how they score well enough 
And you could see they were having a lot of trouble gaining advantages uh, last night where it was like, okay, we're just having Middleton go one-on-one against Tory Craig. Like that's our, that that's our staple here. Like yeah. that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like there, there has to be something better than that, that you can get to. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're not able to force two guys on the ball. And, and I mean, the, the reality is that this is a pretty crappy three point shooting team the last couple of years in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they made 16 out of 36 and they still had basically a 100 offensive rating or, or sorry, 105 offensive rating, which is, you know, basically kind of last in the league levels these days. Um, we did get the news that Sharich uh, has a torn ACL, which is a major yeah. bummer for him. Uh, but and for the Suns, is that going to mess them up a, at all in this series, not having him, you think? Well, I thought actually, I mean, they kind of were able to work around it in the second half because when the Bucks went small, it was like, OK, well, we'll, we won't use Kaminsky then, who I think is operating at a clear disadvantage. Uh, you know, we'll just fake our way through it with Cam Johnson at five or Crowder, whoever you want to call the five. Uh, I, I do think it's a potential issue. I wonder if if Milwaukee tries to play with Lopez's minutes to be on the floor when Aiton isn't and then just mash them with Lopez in those minutes because that, that Phoenix has nobody aside from Aiton that can guard Brook Lopez. Would you agree with that? I think so, although Brook Lopez just straight post-ups doesn't really seem to work all that well. Uh, and Phoenix well, when, the, probably, when the opponent catches on to the fact that he's shooting every single time, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> yes, I'd agree there. Now, where I do think they could actually put some work in would be, you know, if they're going to have Jay Crowder at center or they've got Tory Craig out there, mm-hmm. you know, I think you could, like that, that does kind of take away the conventional pick and roll game of the Suns. Like they don't really have a roll man out there yeah. at that point. So maybe you could try to play conventional pick and roll defense with Lopez and all right, if you're Jay Crowder going to pick and pop, like, okay, we can, we'll, we'll deal with that. Or we can try to rotate towards him or stunt a little bit and, and live with that shot. Now the Bucks will probably also have other guys out there where, uh, you know, Chris Paul can just get the matchup and go at him. And then Lopez is guarding a spacer. And so it's hard, for, harder for him to rotate over. Uh, you know, I think it's really too bad that the Bucks, you know, don't play much zone. Uh, and it, they could maybe have tried that a little bit, but the, I don't think that they're that practiced with it. Um, you know, anything else to stick out to you here about this one? What did you think about having Tucker on Chris Paul? It looked like they were just trying to basically have, have the switch ready to go, right? Like, Tucker just switches on eight and they don't have to do any kickouts or any other any other business like that. Yeah, I my initial thought was I didn't think they were going to switch at the beginning. I thought it was something they'd try, but I didn't think they'd switch at the beginning. My initial thought was that uh, having Holiday on Booker would be sort of the largest advantage. I think Holiday guards Booker really well. Um, and, and that may be true as far as Holiday guarding Booker. But they just didn't have anyone else who could get over the screen. Like, I think if you're going to play a conventional pick and roll defense, you probably need to have Holiday on Chris Paul. And I think, you know, whether you're going to kind of have Lopez be up to touch a little bit and then retreating to let you just need that guy like Patrick Beverly did on Booker in the last 
Galatron. You just need a guy who can get through that screen as quickly as possible so that then Lopez can get back to his man as quickly as possible. So I, I think I would go with Drew on Chris Paul. Also, it's interesting that like Booker really seems to get off in the first half and Paul always seems to get off in the second half. So maybe you would uh, adjust Drew's minutes That would be interesting. There. Yeah, change it, change it up at halftime. Yeah. And, and I mean, as much as we want to crap on Holiday's offense, it's really tough to play the minutes he's playing and be good on offense and have the defensive responsibilities that he has where he's guarding the guy who goes pick and roll every single time for the other team um but yeah he's gonna need to be better on offense there isn't really a guy for him to kind of bludgeon into the post the the way you could with the hawks or even the nets at times for him so i I think cameron Payne would be the only one right yeah no i i guess that's right um so i mean i'm kind of i'm still thinking that unless Giannis can be better that it's just it's gonna be uh it's gonna end up being bucks in uh or, or i'm sorry sons in six and that Giannis getting back to his level is really kind of the only way in the end that they're going to be able to get there. That That's my opinion as well. So I went Suns and seven at the start of this series. Um, I, I, I don't think losing Sarge material impa- materially impacts that probably. I mean, it was a low, low minutes role to begin with. And Giannis played, which is good news for the Bucks, but he still, he didn't play like Giannis, right? He was like, he was he was all right. He was pretty good, right? You know, 20 and 11 or whatever he had. That's that normally you say, okay, that's a good game, but you just yeah. need him to he, be at such a higher one. level. He was plus <laughs> yeah. one in, in 35 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I expect the Bucks to make some rotation tweaks. The problem is they just don't have many they can, I mean, like when you only trust six players, like there's only so much you can do with your rotation, right? No, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I think they just aren't good enough offensively unless Giannis is, can be dominant. And then they just personnel wise, they're just too limited. Um, I mean, if they just had, because I thought the switching with Giannis at center, I thought that looked really good. And, you know, maybe something else they might consider too is put Giannis on Aiton and have, and switch there and put Lopez on Crowder. And just again, say we're going to, Lopez can help a little bit more behind the play. And, you know, if Jay Crowder is going to beat us above the break with threes, you know, we we can live with that and see whether he gets hot or not. He was 0 for 5 in the last game. He's, he's very hot or cold. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, Grizzlies fans know this quite well. Um, the the uh, yeah that's an in, that's an interesting one, and especially depending on how you feel about Giannis's condition. Yeah, because that's it. They really didn't try to go at Giannis one-on-one and that that's i'd be interested to see that i mean if i'm if i'm going at him i'm going like drive right hard right to left crossover and see if he can push off his left knee to keep up with me yeah and if it were me i'm sure he would have no problems with it but if i were chris (laughs) paul maybe maybe he wouldn't and today on road to the finals as we look back our nba playoffs coverage is brought to you by michelob ultra it's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season so let's uh let's take a little time to kind of take a look back on these crazy wacky playoffs uh, our buddy okay. kevin pelton wrote about how this is basically the most injured playoffs uh that we've seen so this is maybe it's a little premature to do this but right at the end of the finals it's maybe not as exciting as i kind of like doing it yeah. when we're in it who is your playoffs mvp as of now am i allowed to select kevin durant <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was. I know they lost in the second round, but like he was freaking awesome, right? He he was he was the best player in these playoffs, 
And, yeah. you know, so can, can I go with him? And, uh, and Kawhi Leonard is probably number two. <laughs> yeah. Other, I mean, I, I was Paul George was was really good. Uh, you, you know, yeah, even in the conference he only finals, had he was good. And he, he only had one good, like one efficient game in that uh, in that series against the Suns. Yeah, I guess I, I gave him probably a little more credit because the Clippers had no rest for an entire month and he was still going oh, out sure. there every night and playing 41, 42 uh, and at a pretty high level. So I was I was pretty impressed. That but like K- KD was was absurd in that was it the last three or four games of that series especially and uh, you know it's a, it's unfortunate I guess that uh, that Brooklyn wasn't able to advance but that's how it goes sometimes. I mean, I think if you're really going to just, uh, if you looked at the stats right now, it would probably be Giannis, right? Like, like Giannis would be, I mean, he had, to, he, he did play a very good game seven in his own right with 40 points against the Nets. And, you know, he, he did go down, of course, in the Hawks series, but uh, was pretty good before that. And uh, obviously they killed the Heat in the first round. He, he was part of that. He didn't have the most efficient games. That was, a lot of that was the three-point shooters being awesome, but their defense was amazing. So, I mean, it'd probably either Giannis or, and it's just the Suns are so weird, right? Like, Paul or Booker have had unbelievable moments, but then Paul has missed a bunch of time and was limited in the Lakers series. And uh, Booker, really, after that first game against the uh, the Clippers, didn't really have a, a very efficient time either. So that's why I brought this up, because it's really, like, impossible <laughs> to figure out who it, yeah. who it really should be. I mean, I, I think, you know, the two best players in, in these playoffs were KD and Kawhi, but we haven't heard from either of them since the second round. I'm and surprised. With, with Trey Young? Trey Young I was just going to say, I'm surprised you did not bring up another name. And that was Trey Young. Um, who Now, I, I guess his numbers went down after the injury, and that probably contributes some of this. Like, statistically, his numbers weren't as good as I thought. But I'm pulling them up right now. Yeah. Um, playing, playing against three very good defense, though. True. Yeah, that's right. New York, Philly, Milwaukee in succession. And he was, I mean, he was the engine of that. Atlanta has other good players, don't get me wrong, but he was, he was the engine of that offense without question. So, uh, well, so, so who's your pick? Are you going to stick with, uh, with KD? I'm going to stick with KD. I mean, that just, the, those last three games, especially, I mean, I just think that like, viscerally it was like you were you were watching something special here yeah i, I mean you know chris paul has definitely had some really special moments too uh, like, like that that game six against the clippers second half yeah. was ridiculous his whole series against the nuggets i mean just completely embarrassed yeah the denver nuggets who are not you know they're not a pathetic defensive team no um, no uh, but he certainly made them look pathetic i mean he had chris paul had basically the greatest mid-range playoffs series ever against the nuggets like that's pretty good um and, and he's, the, he's been a part of the deep I, I assume by the time we're done Giannis or cp or booker is gonna will we'll overtake it, it and you know from whoever the champion is or you know maybe if Giannis yeah. is just incredibly heroic and in defeat but uh they just don't have enough firepower next to him so yeah this, this, this is pretty I, impossible i guess i have to pick someone huh i guess can, can i can i throw one more name into our discussion <laughs> yeah why not luka Doncic. yeah only played seven games it was a pretty damn good seven games and even even in two of their losses like that game three and game seven he was unbelievable 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Incredible performance. So, yeah, it's just, and that's what's so weird about it is usually the the team with the guy who's playing at the highest level, we're still talking about them being around. Like, you don't see these unbelievable performances in defeat very often. Like, there's a reason why the trope has always been, well, okay, well, the team with the best player usually wins the series. We've seen many a series in which the team with the player who played the best, not only is the best player, but was the best in that series, ended up losing. Yeah. Uh, so, here's a stat playoffs. for you. The top seven players in postseason PER and in postseason BPM are home. Wow. What, who's that top seven? K- KD, Kawhi, so like, Luka. Uh, L- Lillard, Luka, Kawhi, Durant, Harden. Uh, you got uh, Joel Embiid, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, did I say Jokic already? No. And then on the BPM list, I think you have LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's going to be so fascinating going into next year of just uh, how this shakes out because I, I, you've got these two teams where I would say neither of them has a top five player in the league right now, but they're going to win the championship and they're, people are going to want them to be recognized as such. And I, I might push back on that, uh, honestly, yeah. even even just based on how all these players have played in these playoffs, I, I would say you push back on it. But, well, John, given how much we've talked about it in these playoffs, I'm going to go ahead and say, that my favorite ultra moment was Kevin Durant hitting that ridiculous game tying shot in game seven against the Bucks. Even though they later went on to lose, that is the moment that I'm going to always remember from these playoffs. Hopefully you can create some ultra moments that you'll always remember with Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Go check out tons of other exciting ultra moments with the hashtag ultra moment. What's up sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls. And I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. So let's go uh, first team all playoffs here. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, would any, is anyone in the finals going to make it? <laughs> I, I think you have to give Giannis at least. Maybe, maybe not, though. I, 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 so I will go. I, I will put Giannis on my team uh, with Luka, uh, with KD, with Kawhi, and Trey. Trey's got to be on there, right? Well, it's Trey or CP for the last spot, right? I think. Yeah, I mean, that's I tough. I, like, C, CP. To me, you know, he's just basically, he missed, essentially missed three games in the Lakers series and then almost missed four games in the Clippers series, really. I mean, he wasn't back to playing well until game five, I would say. Yeah, just the games he played well were were absurd, right? He's been kind of, he's been kind of feast or famine. Right, like when he's been at his best, he clearly, I think, has been one of the top five players in the playoffs. I think think that's fair to say. So I think the way to break the tie is to give it to Dylan Brooks then. (laughs) 
Yeah. But, uh, Team Canada really Cricket, could have used Cricket's Brooks, over by there. The way. What's that? Team Canada really could have used Dylan Brooks, by the way. Yeah, they certainly could. What a heartbreak for them, huh? Why Why didn't he play? Was he hurt? Uh, I, I don't think he was hurt. Yeah, they could have used Shea um, Alexander, too, for that matter. But yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was one of the craziest games I've ever seen, by the way. If if, uh, if anybody wants to watch some international basketball, if you're not getting enough basketball right now, the uh, Czech Republic-Canada game in uh, beautiful Victoria, British Columbia. So, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good first-team all-playoffs. It, it's just tough when you have these unbelievable performances in the first I, Like, between Jokic and Lillard and Doncic and... Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I, I don't even remember that Damian Lillard was in these playoffs <laughs> anymore, basically. Yeah. Uh, oh, here, here's another question for you. How would you, in terms of just like the highest quality of play in an individual game in these playoffs? Well, here, now let's let's do this first. Uh, best game of the playoffs. Game seven, Brooklyn, game Milwaukee. Game seven, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. I mean, game five is pretty damn good too. Um, but yeah, I, I think you got to go game seven, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, right? Yeah, I mean, with the KD shot. Uh, yeah, to the, tie foot, it, the foot then, just over the line. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say... Though, so let me ask you a different way. I, mean, I think that's pretty obviously the best one. But uh, which individual game would you say had the highest quality of play in these playoffs? I actually thought the tail end of that Clippers Dallas series was pretty. Game high. six, yeah, that's uh, that was that was a very very good game, I and mean, that was a a classic game. I thought, um, yeah, like, and that's that's always, that's my favorite situation is the favorite uh, down three games to two, going to the road team for game six. And like the let's see what you're made of, or no, you're just gonna crumble and get beat. And they uh, they, they had an unbelievable performance. Um, by, by the way, uh, are you remotely curious about uh, what Kawhi Leonard's injury is? Is that is, has that occurred to you that we might want to know what that is? Uh, did they never actually te- they never technically announced what his injury was? Did no, they? it was just a, a sprained knee. Like, and and Sean never- said there's yeah. a fear that the ACL could be involved. They yeah. And, and they never really corrected that, but they just listed him as questionable every game and then yeah. didn't play him. So they just yeah. they just basically spent two weeks making the Phoenix prep for Kawhi Leonard, even though they probably knew he wasn't going to play. Yeah, they, they might have figured it out when he like wasn't actually in the city where the game was being played. <laughs> Could have been a slight clue. But, but like, you know, this, this guy... Uh, Gonna get two hundred million dollars in the offseason? Like maybe maybe we could know uh whether he's gonna yeah. say uh play next year? Yeah. Yeah. Would that, that would be of seem, interest to people? That would seem to be important information. Yeah. Well there was that uh that story out there that he was just uh you know relying on his own docs, right? Uh yeah, I think there was some indication it might have been was that might have been Hoops Hype who had that, I think, uh, where he just there's some some thought that he was like not happy with the, the Clippers doctors in some fashion. Yeah. Although wouldn't be the first time that he wasn't happy. Exactly. With We've team seen doctors. this movie before, right? So but yeah, I mean, is it just a sprained ACL is like if he has surgery they have to announce that right I mean who who knows the Clippers they will bend any rule to just do what Kawhi wants. I mean, just look at how, uh, you know, media, how they've handled his media responsibilities. If you want some yeah. proof of that, like they're, they're going to just do whatever the hell team Kawhi wants them to do as far as like this injury information. Like they're not going to clearly. And yeah. so, I mean, are we going to like, is it, could we go into free agency and still have no idea what his injury is? Like that, th- that seems like that, it's possible at this point. So that's, that is definitely on the table. Yes. Yeah. Um, wow. That, that seems totally I, I, now. I, I guess 
you would have to say though, like if he's if he really does have a torn ACL, like we would have had to have heard of it by now, right? You would have think that would have just leaked out through some, you know, through an agent talking to somebody or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, you, where's you where's TMZ a- like staking out every single LA area <laughs> uh, orthopedic surgeon? <laughs> yeah. Like that Doctor Neil Atrache or whatever exactly. his name is. Yeah. Like get get a reporter right outside of there. Hide, hide him. Yeah. Dress him up like a fake palm tree outside <laughs> you, you sound like you've done this before <laughs> no I, I well I, I learned from uh like that like 15 year old lakers fan who was like reporting on, on all the the lakers free agent meetings in like 2015 the lamarcus <laughs> oh aldridge goodness, has right. uh, uh kobe kobe has uh told lamarcus aldridge his vision for uh you know shooting three shots a game and setting screens for kobe bryant in his last year um <laughs> But yeah, so let's get back to this though. You mentioned that game six of Clippers Dallas. And still, even though there were guys injured in that Nets Buck series, just the level of like desperation yeah. and competition in that series was both teams really just knowing that this might be for the championship or at least to, to get to the finals. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, that, that would probably be the second one on my list. Um, so here's my number three Wizards Pacers. <laughs> Close. Lakers okay. Warriors. Oh, okay. That was a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, insane to say that, but I mean, if just in terms of like the talent on the floor and like how hard everyone was playing and kind of what the stakes were. Now it, it does really slight, mattered. Yeah. It does yeah. slightly diminish it that the Warriors then lost at home to the Grizz after that. Mm-hmm. So it, that's uh and the Warriors clearly were just you know, they were kind of out of gas. They're on that really long run. But you know, LeBron maybe not at his absolute highest level, but still hitting like an unbelievable shot i mean in terms of just like how good of a game it was and how much i enjoyed watching it like it's top three in this postseason to me i would say yeah yeah definitely right up there um i mean best individual performance in a game not how about non kevin durant division okay so i think we got to go which which luca game are we picking i would say uh Kawhi in game six would be higher to me Ooh, yeah the 45 points yeah yeah because luca awesome luca always kind of ran out of gas at the end of the game which is yeah, that's thing. his problem, right? He's awesome. He's awesome in the first quarter, but he's running. He's running every single play, and and it just isn't sustainable for forty eight. I mean, well, yeah. how Chris Paul in Game Six against the Clippers was pretty fucking good too. Yeah, I mean, set was he seven of eight from three or seven of nine from three or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I get you know it's hard. Like I discounted a little because they won by twenty seven, even though they won by that margin partly because Chris Paul was awesome, obviously. But yeah, it, it it's it's harder to put it like quite on the same level because of that yeah and also uh you know terrence mann in games game six against utah (laughs) (laughs) that that was an incredible game yeah i mean one of the the most amazing playoff u-turns i think i've ever seen donovan mitchell uh in those first couple of games in utah in that clipper series before he retweaked his ankle was pretty unbelievable oh yeah yeah i mean some really high level shot making from him those first two games to put utah up like because he he had like the second half of game one and the first half of game two, I think he combined for like 59 points or something like that. I think that's right. I like it by the third quarter of game one, I was like, there's no way this shot making is sustainable. And so he sustained it for six more quarters. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, they were throwing everything at him, too. Like, just doing the switch double and trying to get him off the ball. And he was like... Yeah, because Mike Conley was out. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, they, they were doing all that stuff. And, man, he was just... He's he's one of those guys... You look at his career numbers. Like, he has ramped up in the postseason every year. Um, so, I got to give him credit for that. But I, I would go Kawhi in Game 6 uh, against Dallas, just given what the stakes were. Now, it's not... They're not a great defensive team, necessarily, which has to be acknowledged but oh but he also guarded luca in that game too yeah exactly yeah and it was able to i think at least have a slight effect on him so that would probably be my pick i would say a tray tray in game one against the bucks uh, was pretty unbelievable too. Yeah, he sure was. That was the that was the the shimmy game, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was special for sure. Um. Okay. Uh. Most surprising players. Well, Terrence Mann has to be number one, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I would say DeAndre Ayton would be up there for me. Uh. Granted, I thought he had a pretty good matchup in those first two rounds for what we knew his skill set was, but he he still has been very solid in conventional pick and roll defense. And, you know, he held up well enough against the Clippers. And then his offense has just been, I mean, he's shooting fucking 80% from the field or whatever. Yeah, he's he's taken what's there, but like he's he's been really good and not taking anything off the table and just adding like that. This is sort of the vision of, or most of the vision of what he could be. I think when he was when he was drafted that even though he didn't have the defensive awareness right away, like he had the feet to be good. And I, I think we're seeing that now. Yeah. Would you consider Trey Young's performance to be a major surprise to you? Uh, I wouldn't say a major surprise. The, the only thing that maybe stood out to me was that teams had a lot or lot or I don't know, a harder time or more reluctant or whatever. I didn't feel like teams were really going at him on defense. Yeah, they they didn't go up against that great perimeter star who is going to really attack him. Uh, yeah. And, and so I thought the Bucks did a pretty good job going at him. One way that was when they're switching, like, or anytime he took a shot, just having whoever was defending him just sprint down to the other end and post him up right under the basket. Like, that actually yeah. worked really yeah, well. Yeah, that, yeah, M- Milwaukee definitely took advantage of that. So, I, to me, I, I mean, having been higher on trade than a lot of people, I, I actually had him on, on my all-star team this year, interestingly enough. But yes. he, I think, is – he didn't – it wasn't outside the realm of what I thought was possible. And he also wasn't, like, that unbelievably efficient either. I, I think maybe the one thing is that he was able to be very effective even in the games where he wasn't drawing bullshit fouls. I thought there'd be a little bit more of a learning curve for him right. on that. Right. Yeah. He he was um he, and effective in a variety of different ways. You know what I mean? Like they, teams were mixing up coverages on him. He was going against really good defensive bigs and and he was he was getting to his like he was getting to his floaters, but he was getting to the rim sometimes too and and you know, showed he could make uh the, he has a weakness sometimes where those those logo threes get a little he gets a little thirsty for him and 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 especially off the dribble, they aren't they aren't always great shots for him. I thought he picked his spots with those really well too. I but would I think Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I would actually say Kevin Durant. Like I, yeah, I, I didn't he, think he, he was, was gonna quite do that. Yeah. I mean, well, shit. and he was really good defensively too. I mean, to just uh, yeah. I, I thought maybe it was possible, but we didn't he was putting up numbers in the regular season, but we didn't know what it was gonna look like going against a really good defensive team. And particularly once everyone else went out for him to be able to be as good as he was against a great defensive team, I, I think was pretty incredible. And to play play that many minutes, like that that was certainly well beyond my expectations. I, I thought it was maybe I thought something like that was possible, but 
still coming off the Achilles and, and particularly, you know, if you flash back to 2019 in June, two years ago, to believe that he would be doing this two years later, is you'd be very happy and surprised, I think, to, to see that for to tear your Achilles at age like 30 or 31, whatever yeah, it was. And, and then, then to be this good at 32, like that's is it like supposed to be a little past your prime. And the minutes loads, as you point out, too, in, in that series, I, you know, I would I might have told you maybe he's capable of of playing at this level, but he's not a guy you're going to ask to do it for 50 minutes in one game. No, he did it. Anyone else that that sticks out to you? Maybe not quite as, have, as high level. I have a few. I have a few guys actually. We need to talk about Reggie oh, yeah. Jackson. Uh, oh yeah, single handedly torching Utah in the second half of Game Six. Uh, 22 so, points and 10 assists in, the, in one half. Yeah, yeah. Certainly that was unexpected, right? Well, and, and just overall, because, I mean, remember last playoffs, I, I came into these playoffs thinking that Reggie Jackson was just going to be one of these guys who's going to be so bad defensively, they're just going to have to take him out of the lineup completely. And instead, yeah. Patrick Beverly was the guy who just like couldn't hold up defensively. And so they felt like they had to outscore Dallas instead. And they went to Reggie and he was just hitting every three. It was pretty, pretty incredible what he's done because there was a time when shooting was like his big question mark yeah so his evolution as a shooter and his kind of renaissance this this year with the clippers has been a great story and and a financially rewarding story likely too um he's a free agent with uh just early bird rights so yeah so i'd, I'd say reggie jackson's definitely up there as the big surprises um two other guys i think we should at least talk about uh seth curry yes Forced into action as the Sixers' primary perimeter playmaker uh, due to the fact that their primary playmaker didn't want to touch the ball in the last 12 minutes of any of the games. So, and and I thought he held up reasonably well. Now, you know, obviously there's defensive shortcomings there and he's not, he's not a true leading man, I wouldn't say, but he sort of provided a decent facsimile of one for most of that series. Yeah, I mean, like Howell Neto still has some... Uh some tread marks on his chest from uh seth curry abusing him in that that game five win remember the, the washington wizards were in the playoffs interestingly enough i have um, no recollection of that <laughs> tommy shepherd does though ted leonsis does okay. that's what's important they get their parade um you know some kind of lower level guys i think uh dylan you know, brooks yeah no he, he had a very 25 nice a game guarded the other team's best player he, he had he had a tremendous playoffs i was really happy for him um i think an anekio kongu was uh showed some oh, yes. stuff here uh yeah towards the i mean I think he, by the end of the philly series and then part of the milwaukee series he was starting to, he was starting to see the flashes that had all you guys so excited about him uh, defensively um how about uh most disappointing players most disappointing players in these playoffs uh chris Stapp's porzingis yeah bad matchup for him i i guess maybe it's not disappointing because i just didn't think he was going to do anything in that series like he can't post up and they just guard him with the small and he it, like they're they're going to yeah. switch and so like if the other team is switching like there's not all that much that Kristaps Porzingis can do other than just shoot when he's open uh Julius Randle oh god yeah like that's he was bad the Knicks were in the playoffs I don't remember that yeah yeah they had home court advantage in the first round (laughs) oh that's right yeah uh Tom Thibodeau with his uh third series losing game five uh losing in five with home court advantage and losing losing game five at home but yeah I mean Randall okay like the 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 Hawks defended him pretty well and they also the Knicks have no spacing I, I get all that but he still maybe some of those long twos could have got in right I mean I think he was he was just he was like 15 percent on long twos or something like that 
it was really it was uh, but he clearly uh, you know was had gotten into his own head by the end of that series it seemed like yeah so that that was disappointing to be sure uh cj mccollum would be one actually for me i thought that yeah. he had a, a what you thought would be a pretty good matchup and just was not able to really get going like i think he the most points he had was 23 points i think if he had had a better series portland could have won that yeah definitely and that i mean that was a winnable first round series for the playoffs given that the you know the nuggets weren't coming in fully loaded and they got swept in the next round uh I would agree with you on that. Um, might not have even been the most disappointing player in that series, though. Uh, Aaron Gordon. He really, I, I think, what did he not have a single three-pointer in that Sun series? I think that that was, yeah, that's pretty tough. And now, granted, they got him to come in and be the fourth option, and he had to move up to the third option. But, like, he wasn't just a total zero in Orlando offensively. And, you know, exactly. they would, they tried to like, oh, we're going to get him going with like three post-ups at the start of the series on Devin Booker. And then, you know, they basically just totally went away from it. But he, he also, I mean, it, it's always funny to see what happens with these guys like him who are kind of b- both of their own volition, but also because they don't have anyone else like thrust into a larger role. And you're sort of like, okay, what is this guy really going to look like on a good team? And it, it's that has kind of been answered a little bit. And he also wasn't able to really make a difference defensively, which I don't know that anybody else would have been able to do that either given some of their limitations as uh at the center position defensively against phoenix but i i agree me she he should have been able to do more often uh another guy who had a very poor playoffs and it may very well impact who wins the title uh hate to do this to my fellow wahoo but joe harris yeah i mean he said it after the game he said if i had played better you know we would have been moving on i think he's right about that and uh some i mean it was just missing open shots that he made exactly all year uh, and all his all of several years right well so. unless you count uh china in 2019 oh man got chilly in here all of a sudden hey I, the usa basketball is the one thing that i still actually root for as a as an american patriot so i i'm okay i'm allowed to be a little bit bitter about okay. that um all right i think that's With, all one one, one yeah. other guy i got to point out yeah uh jimmy butler got completely swallowed up by Giannis in the first round oh well and bam was terrible too like yeah. I, I thought they could at least take that series to six and and particularly because the bucks yeah okay they beat the nets but they you know they, they kind of struggle with the hawks like the the bucks haven't looked like the world beaters that yeah. that series made them look like that that is extremely yeah. disappointing um bam was clearly in his own head with like the floaters and and the mid-rangers that he was just yes. being given yeah. and and uh so yeah that was, that was a pretty pathetic performance by miami they're, they're gonna be an interesting team this offseason if you are not on spotify green room yet it's time to check it out you can check it out with me and john we were record our podcast live every week and then we get into listener questions you can join us at 2 eastern 11 pacific is our normal recording time uh, on wednesdays but we change that up every once in a while so check uh, on twitter we usually have the time that we're going to go live and then danny larue and i also do a spotify green room at 6 eastern 3 pacific on tuesdays hope to see you there go download the free green room app now it's currently available on all ios devices they have a beta on android as well create a profile you can link your twitter and you can join the nba group for the latest league updates follow me on there at nate duncan nba to be notified when our rooms go live david harrison here the locked on washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to dave's killer 
bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store so uh, who do you want to talk about here we got about an hour uh, not an hour 10 minutes left or so before we get into the q a any teams that was off season some of these vanquished teams that really stand out you want to talk about here well i mean we get, we got into the clippers a little i think theirs is fairly straightforward right you you re-sign Kawhi and then you bring back as many role players as you can i don't i don't know that they're going to do anything big this time around uh i'm sure they'll you know they'll work the phones and see if there's like a Bradley Beal trade or something, but there, there's not going to be, and they don't have the assets for one anyway. Yeah, I'm sure they would love to get into the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes, but I just don't see how they can do that uh, with the hard cap situation. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's really, I mean, they got George making 39.3 and Leonard will be making 39.3 if they bring him back. And then you also got Morris and Beverly and uh, Luke Kennard, uh as well, also <laughs> making eight figures. Yep. And then if you want to bring back Reggie, you're probably looking at another 10 for him. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Patrick Beverly would be open to an extension with the Clippers. Are you aware of that? That, that came out today. So. Yeah. He, oh, he, I bet. Yeah. He, he would hey, love to at, get paid. At, at 120% of his 14 million salary. Yeah, he will he will accept that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the Abaka thing is interesting for them also and whether he is going to opt in or not. There's a thought that maybe he signed there and then he was they're going to re-sign him for more money, but now that he has this back issue that again we don't really know how severe that is, but it's Well, not you're great. you're not you're not allowed to promise that ahead of time though, so I don't see how that could have happened. Yeah, I guess I, I guess that's true, right? Like, you know, and certainly uh, for example, like Rodney Hood in Portland would never have agreed to something like that. Yeah, no, it's the same thing. Like that that's why I always waited till midnight on July first before making any contact with a free agent. Yeah, and particularly ones that had like just torn their Achilles as well to, to, to offer him eight <laughs> figures. You wait, wait until July first uh, before you do that. So yeah, I mean, now obviously, if Leonard has this ACL issue, the the one thing that Bobby Marks pointed out as a possibility, which I think uh, both sides might consider, is if Leonard opts in, then they could give him a four year extension on top of that. So that would essentially be it would be because they can't offer him five years right now because he's only been on the team for two years. They have early bird rights, so you could essentially give him the five years uh but just three million less in the first year and then you would be making the exact same amount uh in the years after that yeah 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 it'll be interesting to see what kind of contract structure he chooses but i'd i'd still be shocked if he wasn't back yeah i mean there's reporting that dallas and miami are gonna be interested in him but it just oh i'm sure they're interested yeah <laughs> yes um how about brooklyn we haven't really heard hardly any discussion of brooklyn's offseason you and i got into their the situation with their extensions where all three of the big three are eligible for massive four-year extensions and can all be free agents next year but they do like they got to get off of deandre jordan somehow i mean it just seems impossible to me that they're gonna pay an extra 40 million dollars in uh salary and tax for him when he yeah. didn't play a single minute in the playoffs and yeah, yeah. they also 
also have picks available to trade if they want to they can trade this year's first at the draft and then they also could trade their 2028 first rounder so you package those with deandre jordan to maybe try and bring someone in on the trade market and then of course they've got the restricted free agency of bruce brown and they've got their taxpayer mid-level to potentially use as well what what do you see these guys as needing so i i do think they probably try to bring back Bruce Brown, even if he costs him like ten million a year, yeah, I, I just think he's like a good multi-positional player. I think I they can get the, him for less than that in the restricted free agent process because there's there's just he's such a unique fit there that I just don't think he has the value for yeah, other teams. That that that's yeah, it's like a Tony Allen situation with us, yeah, a little bit where he was more valuable to us than than to uh, most other teams. Now he did hit uh, the starter criteria, so his uh, qualifying offer would be four point seven, so he could potentially just take that if the offers aren't to his liking but i you know i kind of see it as like you know three years 18 million something like that i think that would be a nice deal for brooklyn if they could do that um i think what probably happens is they end up using their taxpayer mle on blake griffin Hmm. like he was like he was good for them in the in the postseason well are they going to do better than that well he's still getting paid by detroit though so why do you want to just pay him that much so detroit can Oh, that's true. With the offset, you might be able to bring him back on the. I, I, I had not considered that point. That as long as he's getting thirty million from Detroit anyway, maybe you can bring him back on a minimum. Yeah. So, but my my thought is, what do you get for DeAndre and two yeah. first round picks? That's the- yeah. Absolutely. DeAndre, 27, and that, and I think you're right, the 2028 pick if you need to throw that in too. I think that is the package that's totally in play to get one more like rotation caliber, uh, you know, probably like a, well, somebody at one through four basically. And, then uh, I see them probably using picks 44 and 49 because they need those uh, low minimum salaries, right, for, for their luxury tax calculation to, to fill out the end of the roster. And then D- Dinwoody is gonzo, right? Like there's no way they're bringing him back. What do you think of Dinwoody's market? Do, do you think even, you know, supposedly he's like been cleared for all basketball activities. He had the partial ACL tear rather than the full. But do you think he's just going to get like, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, Fred Van Vliet type of contract? I don't think he's going to end up in their neighborhood. I think he ends up more like Schroeder's last contract, uh, you know, 15, 16 a year, probably something more like that. Because uh, I, I, I think he's one of those guys that you feel awesome if he's your third guard. And if he's your starter, you're kind of like, like I I feel better with him than with, you know, I, I don't know. Let's let's drag Howell Neto out here for another beating. Um, uh, but you know what I mean? Like he. Certainly compared to somebody like that, but if 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 you're saying to yourself he's probably I don't know the twentieth best point guard in the league or twenty second or something, like you feel great if he's coming off your bench, but if he's a starter, you're kind of like yeah yeah I don't know. So I'm I'm gonna peg that around fifteen million. I like him better than that if healthy. Okay. Um, you know, because I think he's got like pretty good size. He defends. I think he's an underrated passer. I mean, when he like his stats when Irving was out last year were really good. And yeah. he's, he did have a, a little bit of a rough shooting season, but he was also the only guy on the team who could dribble. And he had to take a lot of his threes off the dribble, which I think he can he can shoots it better as a spot up guy, as most people do. So I I actually think that he is as good as like a Brogdon or Van Vliet and 
I, I really? like him a lot. Um, you know, a little bit different in strengths, but I think he's a better pick and roll player than uh, Brogdon or uh, Van Vliet is. Not as good of a shooter. I think he's in there, you know, probably not in Van Vliet's class defensively, but probably about the same as Brogdon. But I think he's he's a better, I, I would trust him to run my offense more than either of those guys. If I needed shot creation, I, I think my value on him goes up. I, I will say that. Because that, like, he he can be that guy who can, who can have a high usage rate and not totally crater so who where do you think he would be a good fit uh what about maybe chicago are they gonna have enough money for him they probably yeah i mean stuff i i don't i don't think i think he actually would be a very nice fit there i just don't know whether they're going to create that space or not there's the levine renegotiating extend potentially there's the uh, or just staying over and trying to bring all those guys back as well and then or and using the full mid-level yeah um, what about dallas for dinwiddie yeah I, I mean that's i i really like that a lot he's young enough they do need some other kind of initiator jalen brunson kind of failed in that role in the playoffs but then you know you could have you'd even play brunson and dinwiddie together that's the other thing i like about dinwiddie is he could play the two defensively during the regular season no problem and allow you to go to a multiple ball handler scheme and you know how rick carlisle in dallas loves his multiple ball handlers oh wait right sorry (laughs) he's not there anymore uh but yeah, this is, I, I, and there are a lot of teams that need point guards. I mean, that's just going to be so fascinating between Lowry, Conley, Dinwiddie. Where do those three guys? Yeah, how that out musical Lonzo? chairs happen? Can we throw Ben Simmons in there? No, because he's not a point guard. <laughs> he's, a, he's a power forward. I, I've always, yeah. uh, I, I like my point guards to be able to shoot anything other than. Uh, well, I guess he doesn't really shoot layups anymore either at this point. Sorry. We're, we're, well, yeah, th- yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I like, I like, I like my point guards to to have a have a touch in the fourth quarter not spend it running away from the ball uh all right well th- that was fun i think yeah, brooklyn is going to be a fascinating team to watch this offseason because i think there's just a feeling of like all right well they just get healthy again and then they're fine but they do have means to, to upgrade and just having 10 million in dead salary sitting on your books doesn't seem like the the most yeah i optimal. i i think I think they're going to be still be aggressive with future assets because they still have the ability to do it. Most protein bars are awful. I like to work out. I've tried basically all of them. And before Built Bar, I'd resigned myself to the idea that they're all going to taste like a rock quarry. But now with 18 amazing flavors, the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There's six new flavors, caramel brani, cookies and cream, cherry bar sia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Of course, there are classics like raspberry, peanut butter, double chocolate, peanut butter brani. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. That makes a huge difference. By the way, they're soft and easy to chew, but they're still great for the health conscious person. For example, peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Great for a keto diet. And you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. If the last year has taught us anything, it's that we don't really need bricks and mortar stores anymore. Going to your local auto parts store really was not a good experience to begin with. In that front area, they never really had anything other than just totally generic stuff. And then you would go to that desk. You probably had to wait in. 
in line while the one person who was there at the counter tried to find the part that the person in front of you wanted. And then finally, when you got up there, you'd ask for your part and they'd say, oh yeah, we can order that. It'll be here in two weeks. Well, great. I could have just stayed at home and used rockauto.com, got my part faster and saved a bunch of money, changed stores at different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. You just put your make and model in there. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Uh, all right, well, that was a, a fun pod. Of course, you can catch us every week on Spotify Greenroom on Wednesdays as well. And we're actually going to get into that right now. So if you want to throw in a speaker request potentially let's see if we got anything here not yet uh we may be too big of a room for that but feel free to get some questions in in the chat as well which actually makes it easier to put it in part of the podcast ah yeah here's a good one to start with this from charlie uh kemba walker suitors i think there's a lot of teams that would love to get their hands on him but a lot of teams that can't come up with matching salary how, for how are you million. doing the salary match I'll, t- I'll tell you what a kemba walker suitor is is the knicks if they strike out on everyone else and still have that cap room but even then though don't they want to preserve space for the summer of 2022 they don't want his 37 million dollar player option on the books oh crap you're right they still i see i had in my head that he had one year left for some reason yeah, well, he You're can right. if with he wants two to. Left, but with two left, that's a different story. Because boy, because like so, that, for example, I'm sure that the Lakers and the Clippers would be happy to get their hands on Kemba Walker. But can you trade contracts to get up to 36 million that aren't going to be attached to players who collectively add up to more value than Kemba Walker? Hey, if you're Dallas, could you do something with like Richardson, Powell, and something and get yourself there? <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. I'm, Assuming that Richardson opts in, I don't think you could get there. You would have to, you see, you'd have to go into like Kleba or Finney, and Finney Smith is on a great contract, actually. So, Nicolo Melli sign and trade or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's it would be because Sam Presti did that last year with Kendrick Williams, who actually I think could help. He he could help a real team potentially, but you know, and and I also think that OKC is probably going to want to go into the season and let Walker just take his time put him on the Al Horford, Chris Paul plan, prove that he's healthy, yeah. and then hopefully his, yeah. his value goes up. I think, it. so if I was a betting man, I would say Kemba Walker is not moved until the trade deadline or maybe even next offseason. Yeah, because there's really no reason for OKC, even if Walker gave significant money back, there's no reason for OKC to agree to buy him out. He's just a better vehicle, I think, yeah. you know, to take on bad salary than just their cap space might be. And the, his values could only get higher playing in, in OKC. The other thing that will happen over the course of the next six months is somebody's contract will prove to be even more atrocious. And that is the contract that will be traded with a draft pick for Kemba Walker. Well, don't worry. Kevin Love is on Team USA now. His contract is going to be good by the time he's done with that. <laughs> I, I think he gets bought out, though. All right. Looks like speaker request still not working, but let's uh, let's get uh, Ben Chapman in here. Uh, how rare is it for unrestricted free agent players in their prime to be affected by their early bird rights like Rashawn Holmes? Um, doesn't it make sense for both player and team to guarantee a third year for a player in Holmes situation where he had made any money and it would have given the team full bird rights at the end of the contract? Well, the problem was that they 
sign him with the room exception. And so you can only go two years uh, on that. That's And it seemed at the time like he was kind of superfluous uh, when they signed him. And he yeah. ended up because yeah. they signed him the same year as they signed Deadman. And they're like, oh, we're going to play Bagley. He'll feast on the inside. And then uh, Deadman's going to space out on offense. And then uh, Deadman can protect the room on defense. And obviously that part didn't work out. So they kind of signed him as just an afterthought because, hey, we got the room exception. Let's sign someone. And he turned out to be better than uh, Bagley or uh, Dwayne Deadman. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think so, that's... Uh, but I, I, The last I, time yeah, yeah. we really saw this was Paul Millsap in Atlanta, where they signed him to a two-year $19 million deal, and then he was so good that they couldn't that they couldn't really do anything to, to keep him, and that's when he left for the Nuggets. Uh, well, no, 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 no. They re-signed him. Oh, wait, did, yeah, did they, he, did he, you're, I stand corrected. You're, you're right. They were able to, they were able to end up keeping him. Yeah, yeah. They did. That, they signed him to like 22 million a year. Uh, and then I think he opted out and went to the Nuggets after that. But yeah, no, that, I mean, that was, I remember it because I actually had an interview with the Hawks. Um, I think, when would that have been? I think that might've actually been like that summer. Uh, and so I went, I, one of the things they asked me to do, I didn't get the job obviously, but was to like go through and see, uh, what all of their situations were and how they could deal with the early bird rights situation with Millsap and all that stuff. And they could only offer Like they could have opened up a lot more cap space by, uh, using his early bird rights, but they just couldn't get there, um, uh, to the number that he wanted. And so they ended up just having to use their yeah. cap space on him instead that's that's right that's what it was yeah yeah because it would have been signing him as an early bird i think it w- would have been 130 percent or something is that right it would end up being like 14 million or something yeah and yeah then, uh, it's, it's uh, 175 percent of prior salaries or uh the estimated average player salary is what you can give a guy on uh, a, an early bird contract. Oh, this is a good one here from Kyle. And it kind of ties into something we were talking about earlier. Uh, he asked, what's the deal at the end of the bench for the Bucks? Why do they have five guys I've literally never heard of? Well, because they made all these deals to get the guys that you have heard of, basically. And so that eroded all their assets. They needed to use two minimum salary slots on Sam Merrill and Jordan Nora uh, to get themselves under the luxury tax. So they bought picks 45 and 60 in the draft just to have players 13 and 14 on the roster make $898,310. And, and that's how you end up clearing the luxury tax by 500K or whatever it was. Yeah, well, um, it was it was the hard cap uh, initially. It was the hard the, cap at first. Yeah, well. But then once they, once they did the Tucker deal, then it was the luxury tax. Yeah, so because the hard cap, remember, drew, and, and this is part of my theory of what went wrong for them with the Bogdanovich thing is that they didn't realize that for against the hard cap that Drew Holiday had all of these incentives that, exactly. that essentially yeah. were going to be like $3.5 million in dead money against the hard cap. And so the, at first they were going to bring in Bogdanovich, which the sign and trade would have hard capped him. And then after that, they had to use the mid-level on Portis and I think they'd use part of it on Connaughton as well to bring him back. I guess he was there for two years, so maybe they didn't Connaughton, have to do that, Connaughton was an early bird, uh, I believe. Yeah, that's uh, right. But, but they, they, had, they had to they give him originally, a third year. Yeah, they originally did a two-year, but it wasn't. It, I, there was something about it that was illegal. I forget what it was. Maybe it was because you yeah, 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 they, yeah, they could two-year. No, no, because they the, they uh, it had to be um a, a contract that was long enough was the problem. Um, yeah, but but anyway, so I mean, it's just like what we were talking about with Brooklyn, where if you draft a 
guy, then he counts for less against the tax and the hard cap than someone that you just signed for the minimum because they don't want to discourage people from signing veterans. So they want to make, uh, no matter how young you are, they want to make you all count the same, the two-year minimum. And the only exception to that is if you draft a guy and then he can count it as 898,000. So yeah, that's why they had Nuwara and Merrill. And then uh, they could have had Austin Rivers, but Bud wanted uh, 2015 Jeff Teague on the team instead. <laughs> and the, and they, the Nasus uh, is there because he's Giannis's brother. Yep. Mamadi Diakite is there to teach them how to win. Um, <laughs> national champion at Virginia, of course. And then they brought in Elijah Bryant from Europe at the end of the season. He actually played some some playoff minutes. I He's a guy I think like actually might not be bad, but he's not going to ch- get a chance to prove it one way or another in these next three weeks. But yeah, I mean, if you compare those dead roster slots like what some of the other teams have like yeah it, it is pretty bad um so and they really have not that's that's one thing that i think you can really criticize the bucks for over the last few years is that they haven't just found those kind of like free guys uh, very well yeah. uh tory they also had tory craig on this team but remember they needed to just offload him for uh tax purposes as well that's tough man i mean t- tory craig's probably going to play a pretty pretty decent sized role you know especially the healthier Giannis is the more we probably see Tory Craig um let's see here yeah still still not getting any speaker requests uh, unfortunately um let me find another question though in the chat thanks for working with us on that if the Mavs were to sign Conley and Doug McDermott would that make them true contenders next year well I they I guess I wonder how they're doing that um I mean they're, they're they, they, have, they have enough they have enough cap room to get Conley so I guess you're saying Doug McDermott takes like a mid-level or something yeah yeah the room exception or I mean yeah. and they can get up to let's see so they're at 23 million right now if but, they decline Collie Stein's option yeah they yeah can, so that's that's 24 yeah. but you know maybe something will happen with Richard or they would make a move. I mean, the 23 is probably enough for Conley and then maybe McDermott. Uh, but I, I mean, I think they would be pretty scary offensively in that circumstance, but I their defense would be pretty rough. Exactly. I don't, I don't really see where the McDermott part, I guess, advances the ball that much. Um, you're basically swapping out Hardaway for Conley. I think that does make you better offensively. Yeah, how do you feel about Tim Hardaway as a player? <laughs> like, would you be really excited to re-sign Tim Hardaway at, you know, something in the 17 million a year range if you're Dallas, or would you rather just move another direction? I might be willing to go another way if it's going to cost me that much and i know i'm probably i don't know like are his best years still ahead of him i don't know if i can make that case so in the in the teens like okay sure but like once once you get up into these like 18 20 whatever i'd, I'd rather just use my 20 and go into because i can have 20 in room if i don't resign him i might take my chances with that 20 in room yeah i i would say so uh, and you know even like if they i would rather you know pay nick batum three years 35 million then bring back hardaway and, and maybe get one other contributor in there as well try to get better defensively um let's see here what kind of package can the dubs get with Ubre? i assume that would be on a re-sign sign and trade although that can be difficult mm-hmm. wiseman in the seventh and 14th picks 
Uh, well, you've, you've written about this, that there's a, a thought that some combination of those assets and Wiggins for Siakam would be a thought. Um, yeah, I for them to sign and trade Ubre to take money back in addition to the money they already have on their books. They better be getting a hell of a player. Like, like they're they're not doing it just to just to bring back. Okay, let's do it again. They're not doing it just to bring back Hal Neto. Okay, so <laughs> nice a little Hal Neto's like, why are you guys dealing on me? What the hell did I do? I, well, I would say it, I, I was talking to an executive today and saying I actually liked Hal Neto for his team. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, they, I mean they paid that amount last year. Now they got a little bit of a discount, but they also had no fans in the stand. So I mean, I think they like the idea is to make maintain that salary slot in some form or fashion they do have not only the picks this year but they can trade a couple future picks uh, as well you got jordan Poole, who i would consider a, a pretty solid asset at this point so they have assets to get better but what they're really missing right now is matching salary so i do think that it's actually pretty because wiggins actually helps them i think it is pretty critical to get that guy get another like 15 million dollar a year salary slot in there or even a trade exception potentially um ben asks wow. uh, how do sign in trade negotiations work uh and he's, he's talking about with kyle lowry in particular um they're complicated because you're dealing with the agent and with the other team and so there has to be agreement on multiple levels um so in other words you're, you're talking to the player directly about or the player and his agent about the contract if you're the team that's trying to acquire kyle lowry but you're also talking to the other front office about okay what would you want if we did a sign and trade for this guy and it gets really tricky when you start dealing with matching contracts and stuff uh so they're they are hard to execute in practice um i'm trying to think i think we only did one sign and trade when i was in memphis and it was a little different because it was a very low stakes game of chicken where we sent Charlotte 250,000 cash for, for Troy Daniels. So uh, that, that was a that was a different kind of sign and trade negotiation, I think, than most of these. Um, so it seems to me like there is you're uh, some different kinds, right? Like the Warriors with Oubre or like they were with Kevin Durant. In that case, maybe the guy is just going to sign to a team with cap room and the team with cap room has the leverage. And so they want to and so if you want to get a trade exception back you actually have to give them an asset right like the that's, worst yeah that's true there's there's also the after the fact sign and trade which happens a lot which basically the player says i've agreed to a deal with this team and then the two teams get on the phone with each other and figure out how it could advantage both teams to make it a sign and trade rather than a direct signing yeah it, yes because the, the uh the team in question may want to stay over the cap potentially uh, as well maintain their exceptions maybe they're the, the team in question has a player that they want to give back though that gets a little bit more difficult because usually if the team has the cap room outright but then if you're talking about say Lowry to Philly now you got to match the salary so Toronto has to get compensated number one for just allowing Philly to do something that they couldn't do normally and number two taking back these probably you know the the worst contracts that Philly has to send back because they're trying to win they don't want to uh, lose the guys who actually are helping them and so now it becomes a question of what that compensation is and then it also gets to be difficult because you run into a situation where hey we're to get this guy in a sign and trade we have to pay a market value but then now we also have to give up assets for the right to pay this guy market value but in the case of Kyle Lowry for a team that's in theory ready to win right now like Philly you you're willing to overpay both in terms of the money that you pay him and you're willing to also have to give up money uh to force Toronto to play ball 
And there's another complication in Philly's case, which is now you can't do sign and trades if they put you over the apron. Um, Eric says, please comment on the wisdom of Jimmy Butler getting a four-year, $181 million extension at age 32, pairing him with another non-three-point shooting max player in BAM, and the Heat's current lack of trade assets. So so you're you're high on it, Eric, then? <laughs> Go ahead, Pat Riley, do it. That's what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Yeah, they got chilly in here. I agree. I disagree that the Heat have no trade assets. I mean, certainly Tyler Hero is a trade asset. Um, they don't have a lot of draft picks uh, or capital that way. Uh, they will be able, if they wish, to use Duncan Robinson and or Kendrick Nunn in sign-in trades this offseason, too. There's a little bit of complication with doing that because of the the what in the old days was called the base year compensation rule um where they're getting such a huge raise that only half of it counts for cap purposes for matching in a trade it get, it gets complicated but it can be done but yeah i mean i think that's the crux of it is what do you put around butler Adebayo to make it work i mean it got you to the finals so you you have some evidence that it does work but going all the way in on a four year extension butler with his age and his knees i i think that's something where yeah there's probably a little trepidation there and you know you wonder about that the other thing Miami has is they can do financial shenanigans with all these player options they have as long as they make the deal before uh the new free agent year starts where you have Dragic counting for 18 oh, the, the four, team, Nidala, team counting for mean, 15 right? team options uh, oh did I not say team option yeah, yeah I, meant, I meant team options yeah and uh, so, you know, we talked about Kyle Lowry before, like you could basically do a trade of Drogic and an asset for Kyle Lowry if you're Miami and they would they would still be under the apron at the end of that. Um, last one here from Sean. Do you think Marcus Smart stays with the Celtics or they go somewhere else at point guard? I think that he's going to be there to, to start the year. They'll certainly be listening and they'll also want to have an understanding of what it'll take to potentially extend him. I think they can give him four years, 77 million. Uh, but I think that... I mean, I mean, now that they've moved on from Kemba Walker, like they need someone at point guard. And I think they want to get a better defensive team out there that can be more versatile, do more switching and, and just kind of get back to being one of the best defenses in the NBA. And that's really where they slipped more than they did offensively last year. And if you bring back Fournier as well, Horford, Rob Williams showed some ability to switch. Like I think they, they would probably feel pretty good with that unit going into next year. Um, but yeah, I don't see them moving on from smart unless it's part of a big package that we don't see coming right now. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, they're not going to move smart just to move smart. It's like smart plus something to get somebody who's better than smart. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks so much uh, for joining us with these questions. Hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, and uh, we will be back probably at the usual time. Usual time is 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific uh, on Wednesdays. But sometimes one of us is traveling. We have to change that up a little bit. Uh, but uh, stay uh, on Green Room where they usually will post something about it. Or we also will post about that on Twitter. So we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks again. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.